Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, I know that we have a number of families who are out today. Some are traveling, some are sick, and uh, and some, I think, uh, rain just scared them away or something. But uh, we're glad that you're here today, and it's great to uh, share this time of worship together as we gather in God's name uh, to worship as God's family. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to fill that out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And there are a number of announcements that I would like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, uh, we are still taking photos for our church directory. We have one last chance on Wednesday. Uh, we'll be taking photos. Are there still some open slots? I'm sorry? There are about two or three open slots on Wednesday for uh, your photos to be taken. So if you have not had your photos taken yet for our church directory, uh, then please see uh, Juanita or Sandy, and um, they will be glad to sign you up and get you uh, signed up to take your photos for our church directory. And it's a good opportunity. You can purchase the photos also to, uh, to ha- have in your home and to share with your family and friends. Also, uh, we have a number of things that are coming up. Our blood, blood drive will be on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. And uh, you can see Jika for uh, an appointment, a, a reservation. It's kind of funny to have a reservation to t- give your blood in it. But, but that's what it is, so, uh, an appointment to give your blood. You can see Jika, and she'll sign you up for one of those reservations. I think I have some reservations about giving my blood. <laughs> But also see her for the reminder cards. Uh, She has that for you if you're already signed up as well. Uh, We have a lot going on on Wednesday. As I mentioned, we we are taking our photos. We are also doing the blood drive on the same day. Uh, There's a lot of competition going on that that day. And so we've decided that we're not going to be having our regular uh, Bible study that night. Uh, Actually, we don't have a place to have it. <laughs> so we will not be having Bible study on Wednesday evening, uh, but we will resume the following Wednesday with our Bible study. We've just started a new study on on prayers, prayers from uh, from the Scripture, and um, and we invite you to come and be a part of that. And we will be also the following Wednesday. We'll be we'll start having a light dinner on uh, each each Wednesday evening, and so we invite you to come and be a part of that. Next Sunday is a special day. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, it's Mother's Day next week, next next month, next Sunday, and so we like to um, we like to make it a special day for our mothers. And so the men of the church will be cooking breakfast for the women of the church, and we invite everybody to come and. Uh, all of you ladies, please come and bring your families to uh, this event, and it will be at 8.30 in the morning. All of you men, we would like to invite you to help as we prepare and serve this breakfast. Uh, and we especially need cash <laughs> because this doesn't come out of our budget. It comes out of our pockets. And so if you'd like to make a contribution towards uh, this breakfast, please see Bob Crafton or Phil Wagner, and they'll be glad to take your money. Uh, also, one other thing, there is a sign-up sheet on the back uh, for our Extreme Build uh, mission trip this summer, 
and we would like to invite you to come and be a part of that. It's a wonderful opportunity. It's a great time of fellowship with our, within our own group and also fellowship with other uh, folks from around Kentucky. And it's one of these things, it's a, an amazing thing. We build a house, a whole house, in a week. It's, it's really amazing to see that. But we're going to give you an opportunity to see it right now because we're going to show a little video of Extreme Build, and then we're going to have a Skype interview with Josh Spate uh, about our Extreme Build opportunity.
say something here for the church. audio here too.
There we are. We finally have oh, yeah. everything worked out okay. Um, many of you know Josh Spate. Josh has uh, been here on several occasions. And some of you met Josh at our Extreme Build uh, adventure last year. And some of you uh, saw him just last weekend in Owensboro as we had the uh, Kentucky Baptist Fellowship Spring Gathering there. Uh, Josh is the Associate Coordinator for uh, the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. And he's doing a fabulous job connecting Kentucky churches with mission opportunities uh, around our state and beyond our state and even internationally. Uh, Josh is here uh, by Skype to tell us a bit about this year's Extreme Build. So let's, uh, let's welcome Josh to our service today. Hey Josh, how are you? You are on you're on uh, Skype on the video screen in in the presence of thousands of people. So <laughs> thousands. Good, good. So well, thank you, Tim, and thank you to uh, community for the invitation to speak this morning. And uh, this is a new venture for us, trying the uh, the virtual route. So uh, you're you're you are the uh, guinea pigs for us today, the uh, the trial run. So thank you. Uh, it is good to be with you all and to uh, to be a part of the service to talk about Extreme Build. Tim, I believe you did just watch a video. Is that correct? I just watched the video that highlighted some of the events from uh, last year's Extreme Build. So yeah. what can you tell us about this year's project? Right. We are going to build uh, in June. Uh, the 9th through the 15th is the main part of the week. We do a pre-build portion as well that's uh, got some other specific groups but the main part starts on Sunday, June the 9th, and runs through Saturday the 15th, which will be a dedication. And uh, this year, which is uh, number eight for us, our eighth house, and in the same amount of years, uh, we're going to be working with the Barnett family. And uh, I think there are some brochures there around the church that you guys have. And uh, the Barnetts are uh, a very young family. They're, I think, 21 and 20 are their ages currently, uh, Malachi and Shauna. And they have a son named Easton. And they are looking to... Uh, to build on their land that was given to them from their family. And, uh, and so they are partnering with us and with our other organizations to help make this become a reality where they can purchase a home that's affordable for them and their needs. Uh, a little bit of background about the Barnetts. Um, they are a, a young family that met in high school and fell in love and got married right after high school and had their first child and actually are expecting baby number two. Uh, but about a year ago, uh, Shauna, who was traveling to the University of Cumberland to, to uh, work on her nursing degree, she uh, was involved in an accident, single car, where she fell asleep and drove off the road and I believe hit a tree and uh, was, it ended up breaking, I think, uh, seven or eight bones, broke one of her legs, uh, suffered from a lot of major wounds and injuries that actually could have been life-threatening. Uh, but she was somehow uh, thankfully saved to do that. But uh, she's taken about a year and a half to recover uh, from that to get back to normal uh, walking and being able to do the things she wants to do to take care of her family. But she would never stop school while she was doing that. She's very determined, so is her husband. And uh, this house is going to help them become a better family, 
better parents and better a part of McCreary County. So uh, we're excited about working with them. Good, good. Well, for those of us who have not been before, we had a group that went last year. I think we were eight or nine of us that went last year, so we're kind of old pros now. But uh, <laughs> for those who have not gone before, uh, what, what does a typical day look like at the Extreme Build site? Right. Uh, so our days, the way it works for those who have not been to McCreary County, uh, we have a local partner church there, First Baptist of Whitley City, uh, which is uh, you know, right there in the, the county seat. And so there in McCreary County where we are, um, the day starts over at the church uh, with, uh, with a breakfast crew. We have a, our own crew that helps us cook our meals, and the church lets us use the kitchen. So we start the day with breakfast and kick off the morning at 6 that morning for an early breakfast and a, a little bit of food to get you going. And then we typically are on the site of the build by 7.15, uh, where we can uh, go through a morning devotion, talk through announcements, and be ready for the build. And then we spend that morning working uh, until lunchtime, and lunch is provided by various groups uh, from the various church groups from that area who we partner with, and they bring us nice, uh, wonderful meals for our, our, our volunteers. And then uh, we work again after lunch to the afternoon, so about 5.30 or 6, depending on where we are. Sometimes we'll work later if, if things just need to get accomplished. But typically, we try to be done by 5.30 and uh, have dinner back at the church, First Baptist Whitley City, uh, by around 6 o'clock. So that's a typical day. It's a long day, but uh, we encourage our volunteers to work as much or as little as they choose to. It's kind of, it's up to you. If you want to wear yourself out, have at it. Uh, if you want to come and work for an hour and swim the other nine or ten hours at the, the motel, then that's your prerogative too. So. <laughs> all right. Well, how do, how does all this this work? Uh, I, I know that this is. There may be a misnomer out there. I think uh, Habitat suffers from this as well, that, that this is a giveaway house. But this, I know this is not a giveaway house. The, the family actually purchased the home. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Right. Uh, the home, uh, John Lepper, who's coordinator here at KBF, has uh, a few years ago coined the phrase the miracle of partnerships, which we have uh, embraced as a way of describing what Extreme Bill actually is. And, and you're correct, Tim. It is not a giveaway home. It is a purchased home. And so the way that works is uh, our churches, KBF churches, KBF itself has committed to put in uh, $20,000 a year towards the mortgage and construction of this home, as well as we provide the labor uh, independent of roofing and plumbing and electrical and those things. But we provide all the other labor, uh, which is done the week of the bill. Then we partner with Kentucky Highlands Investment Corporation, which is a uh, uh, an outfit around the state that works with affordable housing, and uh, and so we partner with them specifically in Kentucky. Uh, Highlands Investment Corporation is the one who helps us identify the the potential homeowner, gets them financially credible, and make sure they're ready where they can uh, receive the loan package that's put together. And so the way it works, as I said, is twenty thousand from us. Uh, the other loans are pulled together through USDA Rural Development and other organizations. And essentially it becomes very affordable for them where it fits whatever their budget is, where they get an affordable mortgage. Oftentimes it's a 30 or 33-year note, but it's something that fits their needs. And also built into the loan itself, uh, the numbers I'm giving you are rough, but typically somewhere in the neighborhood of $40,000 of the mortgage they purchase is built on a 10-year forgivable note, meaning after one year a portion of it's forgiven and, and so forth up until 10 years where that $40,000 is forgiven uh, off the note so that it, it entices them to continue to be a homeowner and to take care of this 
property that they have partnered with us to, to make a, a reality. Okay. Well, you know, I, I know that not everybody is a skilled carpenter. Um, I, I've often said that uh, I try to be as Christ-like as I can, but this is one place that uh, Jesus and I part ways. He was a right. carpenter, and I'm not. Uh, so what if you don't know the difference between a, a claw hammer and a skill saw? Uh, well, is there something yeah. for those people to do? Well, I say if you don't know the difference, then you're probably you're in good company with myself and others uh, who, who are good at supervising. Uh, but in, in reality, uh, we, are, we take all, tar- all types of volunteers, all skill levels. We have a host of folks who come every year who, if we were just to give them the, the plans, they could build the house all by themselves uh, and would be happy to do so. And then we have those that come that tell me, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you what to use a hammer for. I have no desire to help with that, but I want to come and be a part of this. And so we have, as I mentioned, we have a cooking crew that helps with our meals, feeding roughly 100 folks breakfast and dinner every day, uh, which is a a tremendous need and a tremendous part of our effort. We have a painting crew that paints all the interior woodwork and doors and everything off-site, getting it ready for installation, and then comes in and paints the walls and gets the house presentable. We have a landscaping crew that helps with landscaping and getting things, uh, uh, you know, like a house you would want it to look like once it's uh, constructed and ready for move-in. And then we have those that come just simply to help us with getting uh, organized on site, getting tools around, or getting trash picked up, the recycling, and all the things you can imagine 100 volunteers will have throughout the day, making sure that's picked up and taken care of and we leave the place better than we found it. Uh, So it's all of those folks. And and as I said, then we have our host of folks who are just supervisors. I think they come simply to sit under the tent and tell us how they would do it better if they had the ability (laughs) to do it. And uh, we need all all of those voices, all of those people Uh, to make this a miracle of partnerships. Well, thanks, Josh. Uh, Appreciate all the information. Anything else that we need to know, or is is this uh, a... Well, I I, I encourage you to to talk to Tim and to Jika and to others who have been. If you have questions, uh, you can go onto the KBF website, which is kybf.org, and there you'll find uh, links to information about the family, about the schedule, uh, to register online. Uh, and all of those things. Uh, there is a registration cost, which I didn't mention, but that cost essentially goes to pay for the administrative needs we have, as well as a donation towards the house. And that's structured based on the times that you, uh, the days that you're going to come. Uh, and then uh, the motel cost is on uh, is up to you and where you want to stay and how you want to do that. Uh, but your your fee covers food and administration, and you also get a T-shirt. So uh, know that you're paying to get a nice T-shirt. Ah, uh, yes, the much-coveted T-shirt. <laughs> well, thanks for the information, Josh. And just to remind everybody, there is a sign-up sheet here on the back bulletin board. And so let me encourage you not to miss this opportunity for, uh, for service and for fellowship. Um, and our mission fund here at the Community Baptist will pick up the tab for your, your fee uh, to, to cover that administrative part of this program. And so all you really have to pay for is for uh, your lodging as you go. So if you want to go, you need to get signed up as soon as possible. Great. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate this and uh, worked well. I think I'm glad we were your guinea pigs there. I think so. I think it worked well and we'll see some of you in June. Thanks, okay. Tim. Great. Thanks, Josh. Since we are a little bit out of order, um, Let's go ahead and if we could have everyone stand, we will have our uh, responsive reading for today.
risen and ascended Lord, in your loving care we can live every day without worrying. No needful thing will you fail to provide. By your holy word, you feed our souls and strengthen our faith. In your gracious forgiveness, we are refreshed and restored. You turn us away from the paths of sin and move us to walk in the ways of God. Though we walk in danger all the way, though the shadows of death enfold us at the end, we will not be afraid. Your love goes with us wherever we go. In your comforting word, we find courage and strength. Your triumphant cross brings life from death. You have called us to sit at your heavenly feast. Our table of blessing overflows. Good Shepherd, your mercies will never end. They will follow us as we follow you. Grant us to walk in your grace and love till we come to dwell in the heavenly home which you have prepared for us. You may be seated. Reading from Luke chapter 24. Verse 44 through 53. Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was standing with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then, lead, then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hand, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. Good morning, children. Would you come on down? And while the children are coming down, um, just a, another note of an announcement. The men, if you're available next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, will take your help in setting up for the Mother's Day breakfast on Sunday morning, okay? 
Uh, and one other note, there's a deacon meeting today, a very important one at 4 o'clock. I'd like to see all the deacons at. Good morning, children. How are we? Good. I love seeing your smiles. How are you, Sydney? Good. Are you, uh, are you too big to sit down here? You want to sit in the back? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> no problem. I like these comfy chairs, too. Are you all tired of rain yet? Yeah, you know what's going to rain today and tomorrow? I know. But that's a gift from God, too. And that's one of the things we're talking about today. Two things. Miracles and gifts. Don't you like gifts? You love gifts. Well, maybe there's something in this box for you. Who knows? Listen closely, though. Listen closely. What are some miracles? What, what is a miracle, first of all? What's a miracle? Sydney, what's a miracle? Really incredibly outstanding, just beyond belief happens. You're exactly right. So, what are some miracles that you know about? Everybody knows of some miracles. What's a miracle, Sydney, that you know about? You know, the fact that that sun rose today is just a miracle. That God allows us to have sunshine for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. That's a miracle. Dane, what's another miracle? That he can turn water into wine. That's a great miracle. Abby, what's another miracle? You can think of. Allie. Allie. A-L-L. I'm sorry. Allie, what, what's another miracle? The flowers. All the different kinds of flowers and birds and animals. Y'all have got the idea. There's lots of miracles that God does. Um, our planet, the animals. You know, you are an amazing miracle. Each person in this room, and you children in particular, because there's no other child or human being like each one of you. God created you, Sydney, the way you are and nobody else. Like you, you're special. Nobody else was created just like you. So why did God create just one of us? Why did he create just one Miss Mary and one Mr. Kurt and one Dr. Tim? Why, Sydney? Because everybody needs to be different. Everybody, If everybody was the same, it would be kind of boring, wouldn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine a bunch of Gregs filling up this room? No way, Jose. <laughs> Pretty amazing miracles, huh? Well, let, let's just back it up to miracles that have happened this week, okay? Our, our miracles, let's broaden a little bit. Miracles in this church. Is Rachel Hobson here today? She is not here today, is she? Rachel is a miracle. True, Nora and Mark? Why, why is your daughter a miracle? Because she's been given a second She's been given a big second chance. She went from really healthy to really, really sick, almost death, and now she's healthy again. It's a miracle. Jesse Hopgood. What miracle happened this week? Yeah, come on. Come on up here. This is the price is right. 
What miracle happened this week, Jesse? My brother had brain surgery, and uh, he recovered from it, and he's doing better. He's talking, he's talking, he's eating, he's um, he's getting to know people by look, and so that's a miracle. That is a miracle. Praise God. That is from him. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Jesse. So now we're going to switch from talking about miracles to talking about gifts. And there's lots of different kinds of gifts. What I'm talking about now, though, is the gift or gifts that God gives each one of us. Do you realize that God gives us gifts? What kind of God, gifts does God give us? Sydney? He gives us talent. That's the kind of gifts I'm talking about. What, what kind of talents has God given you, hon? What do you do really good and you enjoy doing? Dancing. There you go. What kind of gifts did God give you, Sarah? Singing? Okay. What kind of gift? Playing playing ball. That's a gift. So you get the idea. You know, in today's uh, responsive reading that we just did, um, we recited some well-known verses of the Bible that are associated with Psalms 23. As you get older, you'll read that a lot. And it starts off with words like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. So let me ask you this. Have you ever really, really wanted a gift? Something that you just thought you had to have so bad that you couldn't get it off your mind? Like a new bicycle or a dress or a video game? Yeah. Have you been there, haven't you? You really just had to have it no matter what. Now, what is that piece of scripture that we just said? The first words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for anything. Well, how does that work then? If you, we, we shouldn't want for anything. Why do we want those gifts so bad? What do you think? Why? Because it makes us feel good or they're fun or our friends got it. But honestly, God says, you don't need, or, you don't need to worry about anything because I got you covered. Now, all, all of this is just icing on the cake, extra stuff. But we really don't have to have it, do we? No, we don't. We don't. Um, so, our church's mission that we're challenged, you know what a mission is? We're challenged to do and live by this. It says it on the worship folder. To be the presence of Christ to others. In other words, to treat others the way Christ would treat them. And to serve the world in need. Or help others by giving them clothing and food. Just like we were talking about up here building a house for a family in a week. That's serving a world in need. How do we do that? How do we serve a world in need? What do we do, Sydney? How do we help them? We can take food to Miss Mary's food pantry and she can distribute it because she really knows who the people that need help are. What else can we do? If we saw somebody without a coat, we could give them our coat. Now, there's all sorts of things that we can do. But what, what else can we do? We can do things like read the Bible because that's how we learn about God. We can attend Sunday school and church. We can listen closely to Miss Kelsey and Miss Mary and our teachers and, learn, and our grandparents and our parents. And we can go to Pleasant Point and visit the seniors. That's a great thing to do to help others. You get the idea. 
So the other thing we can do is we can pray and ask God to help us and to open our eyes so that we can see those people who need help. You see, there are big and small miracles all around us, not only in this world, but in this church and right outside those doors. God has graciously given each one of you different gifts for a reason. We're supposed to use those gifts to help other, help other people. So as you get older and you get wiser, you'll start to determine what those gifts are. And what we don't want to do is keep these gifts to ourselves. We want to give them away to others. Now, I'm not playing a bad trick on you, but I ran out of time. <laughs> and this box is pretty much, well, it's empty except for one thing. And I did this for the older kids who were four. You got one of these a few years ago near Mother's Day because this says Mom on it, and it's a bookmark. Next Sunday, you come see me, and I will have a bookmark with each of your names on it. How about that? Is that a deal? And maybe that bookmark will help you put it in your Bible and remember to read Psalms 23. Okay, let's have a little prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these kids, these wonderful children and the gifts that you've given them. Help us all to nurture them, to help them grow in ways that we can all serve you better. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. You can go back. Follow Miss Mary. Thank you.
God in heaven, Savior, Redeemer. We bring all that we are. Every day of our life has been planned by you. Everything that we have, every garment we possess, every penny we make is yours. And now we give you back one small portion, a portion of our money, a portion of our time, a portion of our talent, so that you may use us and use it to continue to grow your kingdom. By the blood of the power of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, I saw those toes tapping. <laughs> Thank you, choir. And we, we do feel, feel filled up today. I want to begin um, with a love story this morning, and it's a wonderful story. Uh, and even more enchanting is the fact that it, it really happened. Uh, this story begins with a real-life prince, Sao Kia Seng, it's from a, an, an independent collection of states in northeastern Burma. 
And in the 1950s, Singh came to Denver, Colorado to study agriculture. Since he wanted to experience what it was like to be a real student in the United States, he kept his true identity secret. Not even his professors knew who he, he really was. Well, one of his fellow students was a girl named Inga Sargent. Inga was from Austria. And since both of them were exchange students, Inga and Sao quickly found that they had a lot in common. And they started to spend more and more time together. And soon their, their friendship evolved into a deep love affair. Now here's where it begins to sound like a fairy tale. But I can assure you that it's not. The prince decided that he would not tell even Inga who he really was even though their relationship was beginning to get pretty serious. He didn't want her to love him because of his title. He wanted her to love him because of himself. Even after they became engaged, he, did, he still did not disclose his secret identity. Even on their wedding day in the United States, he did not reveal to her his true identity. But on their honeymoon... They took a ship to Burma to see his family, and as their ship approached the dock in his native land, hundreds of people were gathered at the harbor. Many of them were holding welcome signs. A band was playing. People were tossing flowers at the ship. And surprised by all of this excitement, Inga turned to her new husband and asked, What are all these people celebrating? And the prince turned to his bride and said, Inga, these people are celebrating us. You are now the princess. And all of a sudden, Inga saw her husband in a whole new light. In a similar fashion, in today's lesson from the Gospel of Luke, the disciples of Jesus experienced the crowning touch of their roller coaster journey of discovery about who Jesus really is. He had been their teacher and their friend. They had seen him do some wonderful, amazing things. He had fed 5,000 people. He had healed the lepers. He had even raised the dead a couple of times. But they also saw the crowds turn against him and watched as he was crucified. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead, made appearances to them over the next 40 days, and now he was saying goodbye to them. And this is how Luke records this event. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in, the name, in his name to all of the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send to you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. 
Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Who was this man who had walked among them? He was certainly no ordinary man. His coming was predicted by the prophets of old. He was risen from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Surely he is who he says he is, the Son of the Most High God. And my friends, this day of ascension tells us three things. Number one, it tells us who Jesus is. Secondly, it, it tells us who, what we are to do. And third, it tells us where the power and direction comes from for living our lives as Christ would have us to live. So let's deal first of all with who Jesus is. <coughs> now, we, we Baptists are not a, a creedal people, but in, in many congregations across the world, each Sunday they will recite what has become known as the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And from there he will come to judge the quick and the dead. Though we are not a creedal people, these words express the belief that many of us share. Jesus is our Savior, our Master, our Lord. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and there is no one above Him. And in His presence, one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And folks, all of that was confirmed in that event of, of, of His ascension into heaven. And when you think about this, it's no wonder that the disciples were filled with joy and, and they worshipped Him and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. You see, they now knew without any shadow of a doubt that they had been in the presence of the Son of God. Henry Sloan Coffin once told a story about three young Englishmen who in April of 1848 found themselves in Paris in the midst of the revolution that overthrew King Louis-Philippe. One of them kept a diary of their trip, and there's one entry that describes the capture of the Palace of the Tuileries by a mob. Everything was being smashed. It was bedlam. Destruction and debris littered every square inch of the palace when suddenly the mob reached the chapel and they broke through the doors and found themselves confronted by a, a huge painting of the crucified Christ behind the altar. As they went into that room, someone shouted out, Hats off! And all heads were bared. Most of them knelt down and the picture was carried out to a neighborhood church in the most utter silence. Coffin described the scene by saying that you could have heard a fly buzz. And you know, I kind of think that that's the way it was when the disciples stood there on that day of Christ's ascension into heaven. You could probably have heard a fly buzz 
as his disciples watched him ascend into heaven. They were amazed. They were astounded. And there was no question about his identity now. The ascension of Christ settles forever the question of who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. So now that it is settled in our minds who Jesus is, let's deal with what we are to do. In his last moments with his disciples, just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus gave his disciples their marching orders. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Did you hear that? His last instructions to his disciples were, was that they were to be witnesses to everything that they had seen. Back in 1985, there was an extraordinary movie released called Shoah. Now, Shoah was not the kind of movie that most of us would, would enjoy. For one thing, it was over nine hours long. It took 11 years to make this movie, and it, came, it contains a lot of eyewitness testimonies to the tragedies of the Holocaust. There were interviews in this movie with Nazis and with survivors, with bystanders. And one person that they interviewed was a man named Philippe Müller. He was a Jew who watched other Jews walk into the gas chamber to die. On one occasion, Mr. Müller felt that he had no reason to go on living. And so as a group of women were walking into the gas chamber, he went in with them intending to die. But that group of women came to him and said, so you want to die? But that's senseless. Your, your death won't give us back our lives. That's no way. You must get out of here alive. You must bear witness to our suffering and to the unjust, injustice that has been done to us. And in his review of this movie, the recently departed Roger Ebert says that that is the final message of this extraordinary film. It's not a documentary. It's not journalism. It's not propaganda, not political. It is an act of witness. In it, the filmmaker celebrates the priceless gift that sets humanity apart from other animals. The ability for one generation to tell the next generation what it has learned. And you know something? Ebert was right. That is our responsibility, to tell the next generation what we have learned. Shoah witnesses to something horrendous, the senseless killing of six million people. But the disciples of Jesus were to witness to something wonderful. One person died for all people. God's Son walked among us. God's Son died for us. And they could not wait to tell his story. And Christians have been telling that story for over 2,000 years now. And now it's our turn. It's our turn to tell that story. But the question is, will we do our part? Many of us are reluctant to do even the most innocuous of tasks, that of inviting someone to church. But folks, if we do not hold up 
our responsibility to pass on what we know about who Jesus is, then no one else will. Donald Gray Barnhouse tells about a, something that happened during the Olympics of 1936. It seems that in the women's 400-meter relay, the Germans were way ahead when the third runner passed the baton on to the last runner. With a clear lead of about five yards and the race as good as one, that last runner dropped the baton. And it cost them the race. Pictures showed the anguish on the face of that last runner. Shortly after the games, Barnhouse was looking at a magazine with pictures of the Olympics, and the magazine happened to have captions under the pictures in three different languages. The English caption said they muffed the baton. The French version said they dropped le témoin. Now, the word témoin is an ordinary French word that means witness. The idea was that the runner who reached the finish line had to have that baton as a witness that the full distance had been covered by each of the runners. And my friends, the jury is still out about whether this generation will drop the baton when it comes to our witness for Jesus Christ. In most of our churches across our our land, congregations are getting older and older and smaller and smaller. And if we don't do what is necessary to take the message of Jesus Christ to a new generation, then we will have dropped the the baton. We will have fallen down on our responsibility to pass on what we have been given. The experience of the risen, ascended Christ. So you see, on the day of ascension, we have seen who Jesus really is. We have seen what we are to do. We are to be his witnesses. We are to raise our families to be Christ followers. We are to invite our friends to follow him. And we are to live our lives in such a way that they will attract others to the Christ-like life. Then there's one more thing that we need to see through Christ's ascension. And that is where the power comes from for, for living as followers of Jesus. In our lesson for today, Jesus says, you are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Where does this power come from? Where does our power come from? Our power comes from the Holy Spirit. Just like the choir was singing just a moment ago. Our choir comes from the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the gift that God has promised to us. In a couple of weeks, we will celebrate Pentecost, and we'll talk a little bit more about the gift of God's Holy Spirit. But among the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us is the, is the gift of power, the power to endure, the power to make a difference. And this Holy Spirit also gives us the gift of guidance. You see, it doesn't make it doesn't make much difference how much power you have if you're going in the wrong direction. And so the Holy Spirit gives us the gift of guidance. A while back, the Associated Press ran a story about a virus that infected a flock of Canadian geese 
And one of the symptoms of this virus is that it destroyed their navigation system. Can you imagine? A flock of geese without a navigation system. And so these geese just flew around in circles. They didn't know where they were. They were lost. It was devastating for them. Thousands died. All because of their inability to navigate. Well, folks, many people today are just as clueless about their own lives and the direction that they should go as were these geese. And here's the thing. We are missing out on a great resource for our lives if we do not pray every day for the gift of God's Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that the reason many Christians are not having the impact that God has called on us to have in this world is that we do not seek the guidance and the power of God's Spirit. And this is what we need to take away from this celebration of Christ's ascension. We know who Christ is. Christ is the Prince who comes to us to to woo His beloved without revealing His true identity right away. And we are His beloved. But now we know who He is without a shadow of doubt. He's the Son of God. He is the Son of the Most High God. And He has called upon us to pass on the baton that we have received from those early witnesses to to the next generation. He has called on us to tell the story of Jesus and His love. And He has promised us that His Spirit will guide us through all of it and will empower us and comfort us And lift us up when we have fallen. And so, it is no wonder that Luke ends his story of that first day of ascension like this. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands. And he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually in the temple, praising God. And so let us praise God as well as we recognize who Jesus is, as we uphold our responsibility to tell others what we know, and as we live our lives under the direction and the power of God's Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us sing together our invitation hymn. We have heard the joyful sound, number 581. There may be someone who needs to make a commitment to Christ today, and we invite you to do that. There may be someone who would like to unite with our congregation today, and we invite you to do that. There may be someone here today who who feels the need of, of prayer today. Maybe something is burdening you and And you have the promise of God's Holy Spirit to give you power and strength. And you would like to lift that up to God. If God is dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing. We have heard the joyful sound, number 581. Would you come?
It was a beginning of a relationship with you that did not depend upon vision or on physical presence. It was the beginning of a new responsibility of being empowered and guided and blessed by the Spirit of Christ and to be witnesses to what Christ has done in and through and for us. Give us that vision of Christ, O God. Give us His mission and make us faithful stewards of Your Spirit. Amen.